What's up and welcome to episode 42 of the Jake Talk Sports Podcast. Today's episode, this is your official spoiler warning as we are going to be talking about Stranger Things Season 4. Giving my review of it, what I thought of it, what I thought of all the aspects of it, the acting, the cinematography, everything like that. But before we get into all of that, if you're listening on Spotify right now, be sure to rate and review the podcast. And if you're listening on any other platform, anything you can do, if you can rate it, if you, if you can review it, if you can send feedback, I would highly encourage that you do that. So then I can know what you guys like seeing on the podcast, what you guys don't like seeing on the podcast. Especially with episodes like this, because obviously this is primarily a sports podcast, but this is not a sports-centered episode. So if you guys want to see more of that kind of stuff, let me know. And yeah, like I said, if you're listening to Spotify, be sure to rate, review. That really helps us out. And without further ado, let's get into talking about Stranger Things Season 4. Alright, so I'm going to start this off by saying, and this might be a hot take, that Stranger Things 4 has an argument to be the best season. I think that it has the best villain arc, first of all. When you look at Vecna and you look at the other villains in the first three seasons, you have to understand that these villains would not have existed without Vecna, first of all. Vecna is the one who, or one, is the one who first entered into the Upside Down and first had the encounters you can see in the scene in the final episode where he gets sent back as he's flashbacking, uh, and talking to Eleven about it when he's when he's talking about his entrance originally into the Upside Down, you can see him look to his right. There's Demogorgon there, and then you can see him during that flashback creating the uh, the Mind Flayer, and everything all leads back to him. And some aspects of the show kind of made clear in this season because you can hear the Vecna clock in every single season of the show. I don't know the specific points in seasons two and three, but right before Will is kidnapped in the first season when he is riding his bike to get home into the forest and he kind of like gets lost, you can hear the Vecna clock. And that is kind of that sign that you now know means danger and everything. And I think that's such a cool aspect of the show. So let me start off. By saying yes, I do think that season four has an argument to be the best Stranger Things four season. I don't. Sorry, not the Stranger Things four season. The Stranger Things season period. Now here's the thing: I am not like I'm not 100 permanently stating that I think that Stranger Things four is the best season of Stranger Things, but I think I'm giving it more of a chance against the other ones than a lot of people are. A lot of people are saying this could be the worst ep- uh, season of Stranger Things. I don't think that's true. I think it's pretty unfair to assume. Um, or pretty unfair to this season because this season is so much better made, at least. When it comes to, like, the storylines and, and and the way that it's filmed and the certain aspects of it, you cannot deny that this is the most well-made episode or season of the show that you could possibly have so far. And I'm expecting it to only get better in season five, which is expected to be the last season. Uh, so moving away from like the villain arc and everything of our reasons why I love this second one is not every show can pull off the storylines that they did at the same time. I will admit in the fourth, uh, in the last, I'm sorry, the last episode, it does get a little iffy and I'm not saying that it was bad, but one of the main reasons why I kind of was a little iffy on the final episode of Stranger Things uh, of season four was because every time something big would be happening, you get pulled away immediately to watch a different storyline. Like, you would be, I think a specific example is Eddie and 
a Dustin are in the upside down in the finale, and then they're getting ready to fight the bats or whatever, and you can tell something makes about to happen, and immediately we cut to the Russian storyline with Yuri, Murray, you know, uh, Enzo, Joyce, and Hopper. Um, speaking of storylines, let's talk about the storylines uh, as a reason why I think that the show is really good. Um, let's talk about the storylines just on their own and, like, ranking the main ones in my eyes. In last place... And this isn't hateful. I just do think it was the worst storyline. I'm sorry, but it was the Russian crew storyline. That includes everything that happened after Joyce and Murray get there and everything. Just the entirety of the Russian storyline throughout the entire show. And the reason being for that is because it wasn't as exciting as any of the other ones. Obviously, yes, it's intense and it's suspenseful to watch Hopper who is a beloved character on the show go through what he went through and to it's inspiring to watch the journey that Murray and Joyce take and everything but it is the only storyline that didn't kill somebody off well except for the California crew actually you know what but the point being you could have afforded to kill somebody from the Russian storyline but you didn't why there's re- there can be reasons made for every character hopper and joyce are main characters you know maybe don't want to get rid of them especially not before hopper's reunited with 11 murray did did something right i mean murray was literally the reason why they the kids even started winning the fight against vecna and against the bats even or why they survived the bats uh in in the in the first place well one of them survived the bats we'll talk about that later um (laughs) um and so Murray, like, oh, well, we didn't kill him because he had this integral part to play. We had that planned out. Why not Enzo? What does Enzo have to contribute to the story now? Other than the fact that they gave him a purpose, too, which was convincing Yuri to actually, like, be smart and actually, like, fix the helicopter so they could go home. Hopper could have done that. Hopper could have done that. I think Enzo is a perfect kill-off character. He did. He's the whole reason why Hopper even got out of the prison in the first place. Even though he got recaptured, Enzo was a big part of that. Being able to portray his country for Hopper and to see that Hopper gets back to Eleven is truly an awesome thing uh, to do with his character. And that is a perfect end to his character. If you wanted him to get eaten by one of the demo dogs, I don't think anybody would have been mad at that because he's not a character you get attached to. He's one of those characters where you're like, man, I like this guy. He's helping out. But you also are okay with his death, you know? And I think that's exactly how I felt about it. So, yeah, coming in last is the Russian storyline. In third, I'm sorry, but it's the California slash where Nevada crew, whatever, made up of Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Argyle. I liked this storyline a lot, but it does not really compare to the other two. These two are interchangeable. Two and three, I think, are interchangeable in my mind. We'll talk about two in a second. But at three, it's, yeah, it's um the California crew. And here's why. They didn't really do much, man. They didn't. Up until they got to Hawkins, they didn't do much. Up until, like, the final episode where they end up like being able to get to 11 before 11. That is the borderline most boring storyline in the history of the show. I mean, it's just watching 11 get bullied, which is a, a good thing. To, a good thing to add is to show that she's normal now. and She's experiencing normal high school things, but I don't care. <laughs> Simple as that. That's not what I want to see out of this show. And 
um and i think that's why i have it i have it above um i have it above um uh, the Russian storyline because I think it's more entertaining to watch. I think it's, I'm more connected to those characters in that storyline. Um, and Argyle is a funny ad. Um, again, another character who really could have died because nobody from this crew dies either, right? You have to look at these two crews and say, "Wow, one of these characters had to have been expendable." Argyle, he's the perfect one and done character for the season. He ends up being pretty helpful when he leads them to the pizza place for them to get uh, L in the freezer and get L. Um, to help save Max, but like that could have been his end. I don't know what would have killed him because I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever like directly crossed paths with danger. Because neither did like Mike or Will. Like Mike, Will, Jonathan, and him just kind of sat in the pizza place while Elle did her thing in Max's mind. Um, so really they didn't cross paths with danger. So you weren't really worried about those guys, which is a little weird. I didn't think there was enough threat to them in that storyline. You know, there wasn't something that they were fighting against. They were fighting for something, which obviously is vastly important, but, um, I do rank it lower than the other ones. And then second, this one's interchangeable, but it's the pre her getting back to Hawkins and her getting reunited with Mike and everybody 11, Dr. Burner, Sam Owens storyline. Which just goes on for a few episodes. And the reason I like it is because it does such a good job of building up one's character and leading up to him being Vecna and a great job of building up Eleven's past and her what happened in that hospital or hospital or prison as she calls it. What happened in that place. That I think is super cool to see. To see how the place was run, to see what Bernard was doing to the kids, to see that she got bullied as a kid in that place in the lab as you like see her earlier in this fourth season get bullied in high school. Now you look back and she has a history of being bullied in the lab. And that's what makes you kind of feel for her, right? Is that she hasn't had this experience before and watching the punishment that I think it's two gets for bullying 11 and everything. um, I think is a really cool thing. And then watching 11, you know, kind of stand there and like, you know, everybody's dead and, watching being able to watch her you know um kind of beat the garbage out of one um i think it's really cool to see uh and he's such a good character development to make you like him because you like the order you like one when they're trying to escape and he's trying to let get like get her out of there you like him and then you feel for him when he's getting like electrocuted for trying to get 11 out and like it all leads up to the reveal, you know, like you've got, you know, 11 uh, kind of realizing and then like there's the one scene where like you cut away and you cut to Vecna in his little web thing and like you like pan down to his wrist and there's the one and then you know and then you realize that that's the same guy that you're watching do this. Like that you're watching is the orderly and it's a great storyline and watching your powers back and eventually, you know, not directly contribute, but kind of contribute to Martin Brenner's death. Um, don't know what happened to Owens. I think he could still be alive, but honestly, I think that would be a good end for his character as well. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised uh, if he was um, dead, uh, which again, good end to his character. Wouldn't be entirely mad at that at all. Um, and then moving on to my favorite storyline, it's the Hawkins crew. How can it not be? You know, Lucas, Dustin, Steve, Nancy, Robin, Eddie, 
Uh, I think that's it, right? Max, Max, Max. Max was fantastic in the show, and that's one of the reasons why this storyline is up top because her character was awesome, awesome, awesome in the show in this season, and I am so glad that they made her like the center point of this season because Max is this character that comes in in season two, gets really built up in season three with Billy being kind of the main villain and, and her watching him die, and now the entire fourth season is centered around her and centered around things going on with her. And this storyline is awesome. It's does a great job of making you kind of be iffy on Eddie at the beginning and then having Eddie become this awesome guy. You know, you see development in all the characters, you see development between Steve and Nancy possibly getting back together. You see development between Lucas and Max possibly getting back together. You see those two things. You see a relationship built between Dustin and Eddie. You see a relationship built between Dustin and Steve even more than I already had. And it's just a great way of building up some really truly awesome characters and honestly all the best acting performances from this season came from this storyline i think i'm going to talk about acting performances uh right after the storyline part of this but this is an awesome story to watch unfold it i just think it is because when you look through all the way through the hawkins crew like this this group of people all the way to the end of the season Nancy, Vecna, and Robin take... Not Nancy, Steve, and Robin take care of Vecna. You watch Max hopefully survive Vecna's attack. You watch Lucas have this big argument, huge fight with Jason, and just deliver a performance of a lifetime. And you watch Dustin and Eddie and the Upside Down together. That is an awesome thing. That storyline, I don't think, can be beaten by any of the others in this season. Uh, moving on to the acting performances. I just, these are kids, man. And they're giving the absolute performances of a lifetime in this show. Starting with Max, because she's a huge part of the whole season. Her acting is so freaking good. The Sadie Sink did an incredible job this entire season of being kind of like trying to like fit in with the group but also for the first part before anybody knew she was like had knew in the back of her mind after like the Chrissy attack and everything that this is what was happening to her once she finds it out like at the therapist's office when she saw that Chrissy was seeing the therapist as well and watching the first part of the season where her and Lucas are a little bit eh, and like with her mom and and um, I think her acting kind of really peaks when it when she's sitting in front of Billy's grave and saying all these things. And then she confronts Billy in the Upside Down. And then Vecna comes to get her and they play her favorite song and she gets out of it, um, obviously. And the ending scene, the ending part of the, sh- of the, uh, the season where she's um, trying to bathe Vecna. And then when Lucas kind of speaks as Vecna to her, she's really good and then very, very good at the very end of her time in this season, pretty much, or her acting in this season is uh, the I can't see or feel anything line, which crushed me. And the, like, the, I don't want to die. I'm not ready. I don't want to go. Just the, hearing the true panic in her voice. Uh, great, great acting performance from her. Moving on to Mr. Caleb McLaughlin as Lucas. Gut-wrenching performance in the finale. He's all right. He's all right in the in the beginning of the season. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't really have much like difficult acting stuff or like 
like versatile acting stuff or like variety acting stuff he's kind of just lucas you know he's kind of popular now and he does have some good acting portions in like the first part of the show when he's trying to like convince the basketball guys not to go after eddie and everything and then he eventually has to go uh be on the run from from the basketball guys and he does a good job in the beginning of the season and i really really liked it but again he's just lucas in that part but it seems like he's more than that in these last two episodes when him and Max are really coming back closer together and he kind of, they're sitting in the back of the RV and they have that conversation about like her favorite memory and what's the one she has logged away. And he, they do, he does a great job in that conversation and you can just tell how in love with her he is. And then uh, obviously he delivers the absolute performance of a lifetime in the attic scene, the entire thing. When Jason comes up and confronts him with a gun, does a fantastic job, you know, be, being genuinely just panicked. He doesn't know what to do, right? He's got a gun pointed at him. This is probably the first time he's ever had a gun pointed at him. Definitely not. Man, he might have at some point in the show. I don't remember. But this is probably the first time he's ever had a gun pointed at him. And he just knows that if he dies, Max dies. Most likely. If he dies, Max dies. And he knows that he can't wake her up. The only way he's going to live if he, if he does. And then he gets into this fight with Jason and kind of gets the crap kicked out of him. And then he eventually fights back after the whole Mike big wow-wah speech to Eleven. Don't like Mike. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, to Eleven, he breaks free, uh, breaks out of whatever hole Jason had on him and destroys him pretty much. And then he goes over to Max. And that, that ending scene is just absolutely crushing to watch. And that is not just because of like the sad nature of the scene. It's because of Caleb McLaughlin's acting. Um, you know, second Erica gets in for him to be like to call the ambulance, call the ambulance, call the ambulance. Um, and then the way he's like pretty much sobbing as he's like screaming for help, and he's like trying to calm Max down. Uh, You're not gonna die. Hold on, hold on. You know that kind of stuff. It's truly just heartbreaking to watch because you can tell that this isn't just Lucas. This is Caleb McLaughlin, you know, just giving the performance of a lifetime. I'm only going to go over like the main characters acting, not like every single character in the show is acting. Um, let's look at, let's look at Mike, get him out of the way. I don't think that I don't like Matt Mike's character in this season at all. And I think I don't think that this is because of Finn Wolfhard. Well, it is. A lot of it is because I don't think Finn Wolfhard has been doing that well. But also, it's not the best written character. You can tell immediately that their focus on this season was not on Mike. <laughs> well, it, why would it? Be? I mean, he has nothing to do with any of this other than his girl girlfriend, uh, boyfriend. Um, his acting wasn't great, uh, and as a whole, the character wasn't written great. That's all I really have to say about him. Then at Dustin, let's go over like the core four uh, plus Max. Um, <sighs> Gaten Matarazzo, man. Gaten Matarazzo, absolutely incredible the entire season. Primarily the finale when he's holding Eddie in his arms and he does a great job of acting. Again, just a crushing scene to watch. It's just, I think it's a 10 out of 10 from, from Gaiden. Uh, that scene, the scene where he talks to Eddie's father, uh, it just breaks you. And that's not just because of the writing. That's because of the performance that Gaiden Matarazzo gives. And then looking at Will, um, he was pretty good. Noah Snap in his limited screen time and limited lines was really good. Uh, the scenes that he was with Levin in the beginning was kind of comforting her and 
you know, being there for her when Mike isn't because he's obviously still in Hawkins uh, when she's in California. And the scene with Jonathan is one of my favorites in the show where they're just kind of like, we've, we're distant. We've been falling away from each other. We don't want that. And, you know, the fact that he's sobbing and, like, when he's crying in the car, because he's the one that originally gives that big speech to Mike who turns that around and flips it and says it to Eleven while she's in the tub or the freezer, uh, bath, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's a great speech from him and him crying in the car. Honestly, you know, I don't hate it. I think it was a pretty well-written character, and I think he was pretty good acting-wise. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about my favorite scenes from the show before we wrap things up here. Not one of my longer episodes, but before we wrap things up here. Um, one of my favorite scenes from the show, I'm not going to rank this in any particular order, but Eddie's death scene. Not my f- favorite because I'm happy about it, but just because uh, it was so well done and just so crushing. Uh, I did not expect to get attached to Eddie as much as I did, but I did because of his relationship with Dustin and stuff. They do a great job in the scene before they, right before they go into the upside down when they're making the shield where they wrestle a little bit and he says, never change Dustin Henderson. You know, that's the kind of like the, um, the, at that moment, I kind of like looked, thought to myself, like he's done. It's over. That's, that's his finishing line. Um, and it was, uh, and then I think the line that made me cry I started crying when the music started playing because I had captions on and on Netflix and it said when it's called like the die starts playing and he kind of like smiled at Dustin and that's when it broke me. And I started genuinely sobbing when he said I didn't run away this time. Right. And it just, it hurts even thinking about it because it was such a well done scene. And that's a big part of Dustin's acting was watching him and holding him in his arms. Um, it was truly great. Um, that was one of my favorite scenes. Um, we're running a little long on what I wanted to originally go for, so I think we're going to wrap up there. If you guys want a part two to this, let me know. Drop it in the feedback. But thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the JTUG Sports Podcast. Be sure to follow me on all platforms. I love you guys, and we will see you in the next episode.